Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode um, 86. I have Andrew Wiley here, and I'll, I'll let um, Andy. I'll let you talk about kind of everything leading up to where you are now. But you are the 35th district attorney for Clinton County, and have been for since 2000. I guess six, right? Because you Correct. got elected in uh, late 2005. So, Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you. And for anybody that does not know you, give them just a little background: how you became 2020 Andrew Wiley. All right. Wow. Um, so I'm from Plattsburgh. Uh, grew up here, uh, mom and dad, uh, we lived up on, uh, Beekman street and, you know, went to, uh, St. John's, uh, then went to prep school in New Jersey, college at, uh, Marquette and law school at Creighton university. Um, ended up coming back to Plattsburgh after graduating from law school, uh, worked with my dad, uh, started in 1988. And we had a practice together out at uh, West Bay Plaza, and we um, worked together for about 18 years. Got to a point where his um, health was kind of uh, declining. Uh, our work um, environment was was kind of changing, uh, and I kind of made a decision that, um, uh, based on kind of the dynamics of what was going on in the county. Um, the district attorney's office, um, something that I felt I would, uh, take a run for. And, um, uh, so in 2005, uh, we put together, a uh, a, a group of people, uh, kind of a, an election team and, um, uh, ran a, you know, pretty decent campaign. And obviously I was successful, um, in winning that November, 2005 election, took office on January 1, 2006. Uh, and, uh, from there we've, uh, you know, been working the last <laughs> like 15 years. Quite a run. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've been, uh, it, it has been, uh, quite a run. We've had, uh, a multitude of, you know, different issues that have arisen over the 15 years, uh, multiple, you know, cases of high priority, um, of uh, high, you know, publicity to some extent, and um, uh, you know, I put together. I've had a, a major changeover in the office uh, in the last two years, so we put together a really strong team um, now, and uh, kind of getting through. You know, we kind of had to get through COVID. Uh, it was a big struggle, and we could talk about that. Um, but um, you know, we're kind of, I think, balancing out right now, and we're. Moving forward. So when you so uh, is Creighton also in Wisconsin? Or it is, is in Indiana. In, no, it's uh, actually in Nebraska. So it's really? Omaha. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I knew yeah. that. Yeah. So if you Marquette's Wisconsin, right? Marquette is Wisconsin and Milwaukee. If you if you uh, walked on the Marquette campus back in 1980, and then you walked onto Creighton's campus in 1984 and closed your eyes, and then uh, opened them. 
it's it's remarkable how the two campuses were very similar um, size-wise, uh, just dormitories, gym, uh, church. You know, it was just it was remarkable how how close they were uh, well, in similarity. I've never been to Milwaukee. Um, I've been to Wisconsin, I've been to Madison, but it's okay. very see, without as much as many mountains. But it has a very similar climate to what we have. Exactly. So I don't yeah. know if they got the snow. Probably maybe not as much because of the, like the, I guess the lake effect snow. Right. But yeah, we we um, cold temperatures in the winter. Um, snow not as much as we get here, but you know enough. And there's certainly, like you said, um, there there were no mountains. I think there was a there was one little ski village. Yeah. That uh, one weekend. The glorified hill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bigger than Bear, much bigger than Beartown. But um, I don't, I don't know if you, you're probably too young to have skied at Paleface. No, I've um, heard of it. Yeah. So yeah, so it's kind of like Paleface um, was, you know, um, and so, um, so we went one weekend, and of course it was when we were in college, and of course back then, you know, I mean. You know, drinking age is 18. You're in college, yeah. We're yeah. in college, yeah. and, you know, and I, I kind of hate to say this because now that I have two kids in college, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, uh, the group of guys that I, that I hung with were, were great guys, and we, uh, we actually, that weekend is kind of remarkable because I have this, uh, I have this, <laughs> Uh, scar on my face that's uh, from that weekend and uh, yeah so it's living with you still uh yeah, yeah. it's still living with me but it's uh it's all good you yeah. know so so um when you went to law school I mean did you like at what age did you decide I want to do law right because obviously having a father in the business um like again we both have I guess both our fathers are in the same field we're in I I went into college not wanting to get into real estate it just things happen that way did you have a decision like prior did you go in undecided were you focused completely on law so i would say when i went to marquette um i kind of primarily went there uh to get away from plattsburgh um i think it was uh one of the best decisions um that i made as far as that that goes um and i always knew that i had that you know in my let's say in my back pocket you know to potentially go to law school, come back to Plattsburgh and work for my dad. So I would say, you know, coming into my junior year at Marquette, um, you know, I kind of was uh, looking at, at what my career options were um, based on school. And I, you know, I kind of felt that's the, I was going to go down the legal road. And so I started uh, kind of preparing myself for uh, getting into law school and Took it from there. So, what was your when you came into law? Uh, in, it, you started working with your dad. You said in eighty four, eighty eight, eighty eight. Okay, yeah. no, that makes sense. Yeah, eighty eight. Yeah. So, um, when you came into, I guess, the business or of law, what did you go into originally? Like, what was kind of your practice at the time? Yeah. So, when I was in law school, I actually interned at the U.S. Attorney's Office for a couple of years, and um, and so I, I I just had this uh, desire to to work in the criminal defense work. And so that's what I did. I primarily was a um, defense attorney, um, handled multiple uh, types of criminal cases. Um, and so I built my practice on that. And with that, because, you know, not every uh, criminal has uh, a bank account, um, you know, I, I, I did a little bit of divorce work. I did a little bit of real estate work, um, totally stayed away from, uh, you know, uh, tax and, 
marital. I tried to stay away from divorce cases yeah. as much as I could. It just wasn't something that, that really interested me. Um, of course, if somebody came in with, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. A, a big check and wanted us to represent them, then we did it. Yeah. But um, it wasn't something that we actually, you know, sought out. So, so yeah, but primarily, uh, I would say 75% of my practice was criminal defense work. And that, that, so basically, you carried that out until you were elected for the DAs. I did, yeah. Right up, I mean, literally right up to uh, the day I was elected. So, what, so obviously you said, like, what made you want to go and become the district attorney? Was it just kind of the you know, the next progression up in kind of the criminal defense. Um, was it just, was it something you always strive to be? Was it, was your dad a district attorney? So my, my dad was the Plattsburgh city judge for okay. about 17 years. Okay. And at that time it was a part-time uh, position. Uh, since then it's become a full-time position. But so, um, and he was the city judge while I was in high school, college, law school. Um, so he, yeah, he was never a district attorney. But so what happened was, I think um, as time went on, um, I mean, as as I said, I I represented you know simple DWIs. I represented uh, you know inmate cases. I represented um, a number of homicide cases, um, and it got to a really a point in in the latter part of my career where. I was handling a couple cases that, you know, I just got to a point where it's like, you know, am I, am I still doing the right thing here? Um, I had a, uh, I had a client that, uh, was accused of sexually abusing a, a young child, uh, his daughter actually. And, um, you know, I, I get to the, get through the case and he was, and he was acquitted after the trial. And so, um, you know, most people say that's what, you know, that's what a defense attorney's job is and that's what you're supposed to do. And it's like, yeah, that's what your job is. Right. So, but it, you know, I mean, I knew the facts of the case. Mm -hmm. I knew what happened. And, um, uh, you know, I just great result for the client, not a great result for this young kid mm -hmm. and not a great result really for, for the community. Um, so, uh, those were the types of cases that kind of started saying, you know, am I, am I really, you know, I, I kind of was losing that, that fire to go into a court and, and, uh, defend, you know, an individual, especially in a situation where, you know, I knew they were guilty. Uh, like, so how does that work? Cause that's the thing I've always wondered in it's, it's it's funny because one of my lingos that I use in real estate is that you it's kind of like going into a courtroom. You have a you have a buying side and a selling side. It's right. considered your prosecuting and defense attorney. Um, obviously, we're dealing with with homes totally different. You're dealing with people that have either broken the law or are accused of breaking the law. When you how is it? I mean, obviously, if you know the person's innocent, like I'm sure you that drives you. Um, but then if you know that they're guilty. You got to. They're hiring you to prove that they're not guilty. So how does that work, or how how can how do you handle that? Because um, that's always something I wondered. Because obviously you would think that some attorneys know their clients guilty. There's some people that don't think they're maybe maybe you're just like caught in the dark and like I don't I really don't think he's guilty. Maybe he is, but you you know for whatever reason your facts don't line up. I mean, is that something that you've had? Because you you must have run into that at some point or have been on the other side where yeah. you know they know it's they're guilty yeah. but they still got to fight for the client. So the way I would put it is that 
initially, and I'm not just saying this because I, I've been a prosecutor for, for 15 years, but law enforcement generally does an extremely excellent job in their investigations of cases. Um, and they generally don't arrest people that they don't have the evidence to support the charge on. So taking that into, I guess, into consideration, a defense attorney, and this is always my, you know, this is always my position back in, back in the day. And it's, it's what I try to kind of emphasize when I, when I teach some classes, when I am providing maybe some advice to some of the younger defense attorneys in town that come and seek it from me. I don't, I don't, put it on them, but if they, they come in and seek it from me. And that's really that you have a job. You have a job to do, and your job is to obtain the best disposition you can for your client. And, um, and it's not always you know, going to trial and uh, you know, just trying to go to trial and, and get a not guilty verdict. A lot of times it's you know, what evaluating the case and what can I do for my client, whether it's getting him into treatment, uh, getting him on probation, um, getting the least, um, you know, sentence as, as possible, uh, allowable by law. So those are the types of things that I, I really try to emphasize with the attorneys. It's not all about wins and losses, you know, and I, and I have long discussions with my assistants in the office too, over the years, that it's like, it's not about wins and losses. You may have to go, there may be the case where you have to go to trial. And you may lose. And if you lose, that's okay because we've done our job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as you're doing, doing the right thing uh, with the job, then that's, that's fine. So it's, it got to be, you know, uh, difficult to, to do my job mm-hmm. uh, back then. Um, I, I mean, I was, I was very successful at it. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to uh, be successful in the, in the campaign and win the election as well. So when, uh, so again, going into, and you guys must see some pretty heavy stuff, right? And obviously on both sides, like from either, whether like evidence or just yeah. cases and, and, you know, usually when people are in a courtroom or people are coming to see you, they're not, it's probably not the highlight of their life to come see you, you know, for the most part it, it's, right. so, I mean, how do you deal with, was that, did that take did that take some getting used to when you first got in or was it one maybe growing up, you know, with a dad that was, you know, in law that you kind of were a little more aware of, I guess, or not as sheltered to what potentially could be out there. Cause again, you're being the, being the head guy, you see a ton of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really difficult. I think in a, in a small community, small County, like, uh, like Clinton County is, um, compared to, you know, Onondaga County, um, Syracuse or Albany or, you know, New York city. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the prosecutor in some of those larger communities, larger counties is really a, a politician, you know, the, um, uh, but in these smaller counties, like up here in the North country, um, you know, DA Sprague, DA Carrero down in, uh, Warren County, um, uh, Franklin County, I mean, um, you know, we, we are actually not only the prosecutor, but we're, we're the boss, but we're the trial, we're trial lawyers, you know, we're actually doing cases. So yeah, we're, we're seeing, 
um, we're seeing these cases um, on a day and uh, daily basis. And so when you talk about, let's just say, some of the homicides I've had uh, in the county, um, dealing with uh, or some of the sexual abuse cases um, that we've had in the county, um, dealing with the family members the vic- of the victim in the case is, is something that's really difficult to, I mean, really difficult to uh, get get used to um, from what I did, you know, prior mm-hmm. uh, as a defense attorney. Um, it's uh, it's just a totally different experience and was was very difficult to get used to. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't have a major issue with with kind of you know uh, dealing with the media on 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 a lot of the cases that I've had. Um, just having to be really walk down that right road with, you know, with what I, I could do with a case, what we could do with the media, but more importantly, you know, dealing with a, a family of, of a victim was, was really difficult to get used to, but, um, it took some time, but now, you know, well, I mean, I'm it must be, it. it still must be very rewarding though. Like you said, like you said, if you go in and, and depending on the deposition and depending on who you're representing, Again, a lot of, I mean, you you deal with pretty extremes, you know. It's not like you know, just getting a slap on the wrist. Sometimes right. you might, but you know, you could be talking someone's life is completely changed based off of a verdict. So, you know, if you can avoid that, or you know, you pulled it off, like, hey, they're innocent, they're found innocent. Oh. I did my work. It must be pretty cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was starting out, so I'll give you a, this. I this is a pretty cool story. So <laughs> I think so. So when I started out. Um, I handled this uh, this sexual abuse case, and so it was uh, it was my at that time like biggest case. I think I'd been working maybe uh, a year or two two years, and and I I was lucky a lot luckier than a lot of other attorneys that that come into the community because I had somebody to um, teach me the ropes, train me, you know, as far as my father is concerned. Um, a lot of lawyers come in and, you know, it's like, I mean, I, I, you know, it's like medical school, right? You, you, uh, learn all everything about being a doctor. And that first time you go and you, you know, do an open heart surgery. I yeah. mean, yikes. Right. I mean, same thing with a trial. I mean, uh, you learn, you learn the fundamentals in school, but then to apply them in the courtroom is, is a totally different story. So, we do this trial and, um, uh, you know, we go through the process. It was, uh, you know, difficult to do it, but I, I got through the process and it, it wasn't a simple, you know, a little DWI case. It was, it was a, a rape case. And so, um, put a lot of time into it, put a lot of effort, uh, thought I did a, you know, put a really good case on for my client. And in the end, um, went to the jury and the jury was out actually back in that, back in those, back in the days, back in the late eighties. Uh, the court system isn't like it is today. We were, um, I, I mean, I can recall this like it was yesterday. We're in the courtroom. Uh, I don't know when the time the jury got the case, but it was like probably mid afternoon, um, after closings and instructions. And we stayed until about one o'clock in the morning at the courthouse and the, and the jury still hadn't come back. 
So the judge at that point in time said, all right, we're going to break for the night. You'll come back in the morning and you'll start deliberating again. So we did that. We got back at nine o'clock, nine thirty, whatever it was. And they deliberated for most of the day and probably at four o'clock or so, uh, the next day they came back and they found my client guilty of, you know, let's say five of the eight charges or whatever. And the serious charges. So he's, he's going away. He's going away for a long time. So, you know, I get back to my, my office and my dad's like, well, how, you know, how'd it go? And, and I go, well, they, you know, they found him not guilty, but they found him guilty of the most serious things. And he's going to go to prison for, you know, quite a long time. And my dad's like, well, you know, you kept that jury out for, you know, quite a long time thinking about the case. So you did your job, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and I kind of thought about that and I'm like, yeah, you know, I guess, I guess I did, you know, they, they didn't just come back a half hour later and, you know, slam dunk yeah. it and find them guilty. So, so I was kind of resolved with that. And then, uh, you know, at some point in time I do the next trial and, uh, you know, jury's out for, I don't know, you know, not as long, but they're out for a while and they find the defendant guilty go back to the office, talk to my dad about it. And he's like, you know, well, you, you made them think about it. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm not into that anymore. It's like, he's got found guilty and you know, yeah, that that's, you know, I'm not good with the, I kept them out for a while. Anyway. And from that day on, it was like, you know, I, I was like, you win or lose. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I win or lose. And, and when the jury would come back and I, you know, and I'd be standing next to the defendant. And uh, at the time, uh, Terry Gordon, um, who was the court clerk, um, he would, we had a great relationship. He had a great relationship with my dad. And it would be like, um, he would have the verdict, you know, in an envelope, just like they do today. And, but back then, you know, they, they kind of maybe took a look at it beforehand. And so, um, we kind of had a thing or like I'd look at him and he'd look at me and if it was not guilty, you know, he kind of didn't do much, but if it was guilty and you know, my client was maybe a little concerned about it, he'd like give me this look, you know, and I like take two steps, <laughs> two steps away. Just out of swinging let, range. Yeah. Let the court, let the court officers kind of come in, you know? And, um, but, but man, when that jury would come back and they would say not guilty, yeah, it was just like, Boom. Yeah. You know, adrenaline I mean, high. Probably. Oh, adrenaline high. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. adrenaline high. And, um, and it was, it, it got to a point where, um, uh, a case that I had, uh, about a year before I, I ran for, for DA and was elected. And this one wasn't, you know, this one wasn't one that really bothered me. Um, it was a drug case. And, uh, and you know how we, I mean, I know you know how my wife and I have this thing about Disney, and uh, and so uh, this trial was was being pushed out, uh, and so it was a drug case. They came back, the jury comes back, and um, uh, the guy's found not guilty, you know, and so, um, but there was another matter pending with this guy, so the judge is like, well we have to schedule this now for, you know, like next week. And I was like, Nope, 
I'm going to Disney World. You know, like, yeah. you know, yeah, went, just won the suit. You know, Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing next? You know? <laughs> and I was like, and, I, and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm sorry, Judge. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> I am, I, we are going to Disney World next week, but. I understand how that just came out, you know? <laughs> so, so did you get it resolved yeah. that day? Or did you? Uh, we dealt with it, you know? Yeah, yeah we dealt with it. So, well, yeah. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> so um, s- since you've taken over, I mean, just some stat-wise, um, you said that yeah. you've grown the district attorney's office to six um, ADAs um, and a full-time investigator. So the office has grown. Now, as part right. of... Is part of that because of the amount of cases? Is part of that just the way that you've structured things to make it maybe a little more efficient or you know, more ADAs give you more resources or more knowledge or more time? Um, yeah. cause it, it, it is, the, is the DA because <clears throat> the DA is considered a public office, right? Correct. So, and it's run through whatever, their, you know, our, our county. But do you run it kind of like you would a business? You know, is it the same ideas or a little bit different? Because like if you're growing, is it because of the need? Is it because that you've grown it to a level that, you know, I, like I look at our business, like we bring on staff people as we grow and things are needed. And that right. and our goal is to hopefully hire more people because that means we're growing. Is, is that how you look at your office? Well, if you, if you look at it in that perspective, if we grow based on the business, mm-hmm then in that sense, it's, that's not great for the community yep. because it means there's more crime. You know, there's more crime being committed. There's more crime coming in the area. And, and there has been. I mean, there has been more crime uh, since, um, since 2006. Um, so, you know, back in, back in 2006 when I took office, I think there were three full-time uh, ADAs, two part-time ADAs, and that was, and then the district attorney. And so... As as we kind of progressed, um, I was able to, you know, have the county legislators approve full time positions as opposed to the part time positions because we would just establish, you know, the caseload for each, you know, attorney, and there was turnover. And the reason there's turnover is because there was such a high caseload, and you know, an individual, I guess that's that's working that's on salary, that has to, you know, that's only getting paid for you know, eight hours uh, a day, five days a week, but is working 12 hours a day, um, they get burned out. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I was able to kind of, you know, con- not convince, but just lobby for la- it. Yeah. lobby out. Yeah. Lobby is the, really the best word for it. And, um, you know, and put forth our argument with what, what our caseload was to, to have the county, you know, kind of establish that. And, and we have funding, you know, we have certain funding streams that, that we've been able to establish over the uh, uh, over my term and um, utilize that money to help pay for some of the positions that we have in the office. But um, it's you know we could use certainly use you know mm-hmm. more more staffing, but the budget is the budget, and we have to um, we have to kind of be really cognizant of of you know our caseload, what we have, how it's dispersed between the attorneys in the office, um, and do it, you know, within the budget that the county provides us. Um, yeah, certainly if we get to a point where we can hire, 
uh, more staff. We're kind of limited uh, because of our space. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing, you know. But certainly if we got to a point where, um, and it's occurred. It's I mean, it's occurred since uh, 2020 when we had some, you know, changes in Albany. Um, that there is certainly is more, there is a, there's a basis to have more ADAs in the office. Like if you look at the state numbers, it's, it's kind of like one ADA per 10,000 people. Okay. So you uh, should be roughly about eight or so. We should be about eight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we should be. Um, so, and what kind of, qu- I guess just a, kind of quickly, like what kind of cases would fall under your juris- jurisdiction? Like what, what do you guys deal with on a, on a daily or sure. yearly basis? So the most common, probably the most common case that we have in the office is uh, uh, driving while intoxicated cases, okay. um, petty larceny cases. Just the town of Plattsburgh, because it has the mall, because it has um, Walmart, um, Lowe's, mm-hmm. uh, in, within its town jurisdiction, uh, has just a, a multitude of petty larceny cases. Um, there are more sexual abuse and rape cases um, that you know the public is really aware about um, that we have in the county. Um, the next probably you know largest crime that we we deal with on a day in and day in, day out basis that I primarily deal with is the um, is the drug issue that we have uh, in the county. Um, and you know we're we've been pretty um, you know pretty lucky to some extent that our violent crime uh, here in the county is is you know it's small um, you know we've we've had a number of homicides during my tenure um, there were three at the beginning uh, we just had two um, last year so you know, it's there, um, but um, it's not it's not as bad as obviously you know Syracuse, Albany. Yeah, you know, so you'd larger. rather see petty larceny than homicide. You know, so it's <clears throat> well. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, neither are good. Yeah. But if you had to really no. pick on the yeah. hierarchy, well, yeah. But I, I, I mean, don't take this the wrong way. I enjoy the, I enjoy the process of a of a homicide. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk about, you know, back in the day when I had those, you know, the, the desire to defend, you know, an individual and then at the end get that, that not guilty verdict, Mm -hmm. the, the energy that I got from that, I have that on a homicide case. Do do you find on, cause these cases take months or, I mean, they take more than a year. Um, or they most, not necessarily. It's it. They're generally dealt with within within a months. year. So you got to think of like that's a huge project for you guys to do. Do you find at a certain point? This is what I do when I focus on stuff. Where you're really thinking hard about a project. Like you, you basically have that first layer of learning about the project, learning all the in your case, learning right. the details, and then it's starting to go layers deep, and then really trying to formulate your case until at the very end, you're like, listen, we're so prepped and prepared on this that we're just like we know this backwards and forwards. Like, do you, do you find that in that process, you hit that moment where you're like, we got it. Like, it's very clear. It becomes yeah. into where it just seems like all the, all the, uh, you know, 
all the different directions and all the different facts are all starting to kind of tangle together and then you're really trying to find this you're really getting this clear picture of what's right. happening yeah i this uh, especially with like a homicide investigation uh it's just because of the volume uh of it um and you know and kind of like the magnitude of, of not only the evidence that's involved but the you know responsibility the I talked about earlier about the family, uh, the victims, uh, and what we need to do for the community. So, um, we've had, you know, homicides here in the city, uh, one right outside your window, um, a few years ago. Um, we've had, you know, some major homicides, uh, throughout the County and working with, uh, the New York State Police, um, their violent crimes unit, working with the Plattsburgh City Police Department with their detectives, um, the extent of initial uh, labor that's done is just, it's overwhelming. It's, um, and so um, you get to that point where, yeah, you've, you've, you put that initial investigation uh, together and it's not something that happens in you know in a week it's it takes weeks to develop it whether you're you know you're subpoenaing phone records you're doing GPS uh, warrants on vehicles that are you know potentially known to be involved in a crime um, you're waiting for the lab you know, Albany to come back with a DNA report um, you know all this th- takes time and so we when when it is put together and when you are working with these investigators or detectives and you get, do get to that point where it's like you know uh because because you you focus so much on it right like when i have when i have a homicide case in the office it's pretty much that's what i'm doing mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll be dealing with the day in and day out operations of the office but as far as like the case goes that's my that's my baby and um and i'm going to make sure that we're you know we're prepared when that the day for trial comes or any hearings that we have that we're ready to go forward with it so when you become you know if you're in a position that you are do you find um and i, I was kind of doing some research i think i read an article where you you mentioned self-awareness and knowing kind of yourself and kind of having a good idea like how you think and how you react and how you process information do you find that you're very you're able to take a step back and really dissect everything kind of from like uh, a high up view and really try to pinpoint everything or do you find that um that you get really you know directly involved or do you think that you can step back and look at all the pieces and i think you'd have a layer of both but when you when you're dealing with you know such big cases do you find that understanding yourself and your personality and and your habits or tendencies or even past experiences do you do you tap into a lot of those yeah i i definitely tap into um i definitely tap into a lot of the past experiences not only experiences that i've dealt with with prior cases as a prosecutor but even as a as a defense attorney and and i think that plays a big role in some of the cases because it allows me to you know it allows me to be that uh that uh devil's advocate uh, you know, with a lot of my witnesses, um, you know, the law enforcement people that are involved in the case, it's like, okay, you've, you've developed, uh, this theory, but let's look at it, you know, let's look at it in a, in another light. And if I'm the defense attorney, 
this is this is where I'm going to go with this case. And and then so we we backtrack and we'll then uh, take a look at you know maybe that that secondary theory and just cover our our bases to make sure that you know that's not going to be something that's going to come out in the trial um it's it's a huge you know it's a huge focus i mean um uh, but i've had really uh really good people um working with me on it people in the office but uh, law enforcement um you know you get people like uh uh, retired senior investigator John Donahue, who's the head of the uh, Violent Crimes Unit with the State Police here in Troop B, um, just an incredible um, detect or investigator, um, very knowledgeable about uh, putting together the case file, um, having that prepared for us. You know, um, you know, when I get literally ten boxes of you know file boxes with individual you know files <clears throat> alphabetized and categorized you know from him uh it's it makes my job a lot easier yeah um, and and his the people that he's left um with the new york state police or the people that he's impacted in the city police department or the sheriff's department have all greatly learned from from him as a as a huge resource i'm not here to plug in john but i mean he's the he's the man yeah you know no, I think it's. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's more than like you said. A couple like your office. You got to. You know, there's a lot involved. Um, so, I guess for you, um, kind of getting a little bit away from law, we okay. have. You do quite a bit. Um, obviously, I know that you and your wife, you guys, you know, are running the the workout stuff and, right. and Beachbody, and you've been doing that for how long has that been going on? That's been going on since March of 2014. Okay, so it's been right. it's been quite a while. Um, yeah, six years. And is, is your wife the one that kind of spearheads that? Or you guys think you're, you're oh, yeah. pretty balanced? Yeah. Or are you just kind of like her guinea pig and you kind of go along and wow. try to survive? So, because overall you're in pretty good shape, right? So, are you better shape now than you've you've been trying to keep that up? I'm trying to keep it up. Um, I'm not as in good of shape as I was, let's say, in 2015, 16. Yeah. Um, man, I love pizza and I love ice cream. Yeah. All right, but. Um, <laughs> But, uh, and I'm, and I'm getting older and I have, you know, uh, bumps and bruises. I don't know. I got something going on with my shoulder. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, like 2000, I mean, I'll give you the 2014, uh, I'm sitting on the couch. We're watching, uh, Sunday, you know, it's football games on and she's in the kitchen cooking something. I don't know what she's making. And she has on, uh, she's just, you know flipping through uh the channels and she gets on this one uh one channel that uh there's this guy that's doing this workout you know and they talk about uh you know oh workout at home and uh you know this insanity thing and and natalie's like yeah we should you know you know we should kind of do this you know i'm sitting on the couch i'm probably you know 200 pounds the heaviest i've ever been in yeah. my life and i'm like i'm not doing that you know i yeah. i ski i run around with the kids playing soccer i'm good you know yeah. i'm good and uh she's like no you know we really should probably probably do this and it'd be good for us and I'm like, whatever you know if you want to order it order it you know and so 
she orders it and and so we uh it comes in the mail or how yeah it comes in the mail because back then it's all dvds and so so it's uh this program called t25 and it's with sean t the the creator of insanity and i'm sure you're i I, I know i'm aware of him yeah yeah yeah. so so anyways uh so you know we kind of it's a what is it 90 day 60 90 day program i don't know 20 25 minutes a day and we start doing it and you know it's getting us up in the morning it's getting us to doing something together you know like we skied for quite a bit together when the kids were really young and then uh once they kind of got older we kind of got away from skiing together she natalie kind of lost her interest in skiing or snowboarding so anyways we um we do this and by golly it's uh you know i start losing a little weight yeah and then um you know and at the end of but we're, we're at a train yeah. i always tell people we're actually at a train station yeah there, we are it's probably like train 30 feet away from us so. yeah um and so uh at the end of every workout there's this you know plug for uh, uh a nutrition shake whatever shakeology and uh so we're like, ah, maybe we should try that. You know, it looks like everybody in the videos are doing it, you know. So we order that. And then so Natalie calls up uh, or gets a call from uh, this call from this lady in Texas. Uh, and uh, she calls her back and, and the lady's like, well, I'm, I'm at Disney right now and I'm, I'm, running, a, I'm running a half marathon. Uh, let me call you when I uh, finish the race and um, later on today. So they talk. And uh, they, they, she orders it, and, and then, um, you know, we start using that. And I'm, like, losing weight and feeling a lot better than I, you know, ever had in, in a long time. And so then this, uh, this lady is, uh, you know, calls Natalie, and she starts talking to her. And she's like, well, you know, if you're ordering all this product, then you should probably, you know, become a Beachbody coach. And Natalie's like, I don't want to do that. You know, I just want to, you know, order the product and do what do what we're doing. So um, the lady's like, well, you'll get, you'll, you know, you can just become a coach and you can earn money on, on you know, if Andrew does something or because, like, I think somebody, you know, st- Natalie started getting involved with social media. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long social media has been really around for, but I never. Yeah, it's probably right about then. 13 yeah, was kind of what yeah. I Yeah, I mean, I never, I never was on social media mm-hmm. before this. And so, um, uh, you know, somebody's like, oh, you know, you're, you're losing weight. You're getting in shape. What are you doing? Right. Yeah. And so it's mm-hmm. like, well, uh, let me, let me send you to uh, Cody. And so Natalie did that like twice. And Cody's like, well, why don't you just become a coach and you'll make. You know, mm-hmm. you'll make an income from this. And so she started doing it. And, um, yeah, and so then we kind of got involved with, with Beachbody. And actually, um, Cody and her husband, Chris, uh, are, like, one of our best friends now. And you those know? are the people you were originally working under or with or whatever. Yeah, they're, they were our, as you say, upline. Or mentors right? or whatever. Yeah, yep. mentors in the business and upline. Yeah. And so, um, and so yeah, so Natalie's business kind of really took off. And um, she developed uh, probably first real, you know, team um, here in Plattsburgh. Like network of people. Yeah, network yeah. of people in Plattsburgh under Beachbody. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty cool. And it and it grew pretty big and, uh, you know, well, so it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
like I, I like working out. I've been working out pretty consistently for. I'm, I'm at like a little funk right now, but it's you know it's, you know it just goes in waves. Yeah. But for the most part, I've been pretty active my whole life. Um, I mean, you, you said the same thing. Like you, obviously, you ski, right? Yeah. Because I mean, that's one thing I always see on social media. That I think last year you took a cool trip out west and the, the route was pretty nice. Route uh, Where was yeah. it? Revelstoke in uh, British Columbia. Uh, just, oh, you went up BC. Okay. Yeah, just uh, incredible. Incredible mountain, uh, largest vertical um, in the North America, wow. and um, took a while to get there. We like flew into Calgary. Uh, I went with John Mulholland. Oh, uh, cool. You know John. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. John so, was actually on here. Yeah. So John and I flew out to uh, Calgary, and then it's like a four and a half hour drive uh, to Revelstoke, and it's just this uh, badass, deep powder yeah. mountain. Um, small, but I mean like small in the sense of the town is small. Um, the mountain is, uh, I mean, the mountain is huge, but you know, minimal lifts yeah. and, uh, it's just, a, it's a real skiers mountain. So, um, how long have you been skiing? Like your whole, in most I, of your life? I've been skiing all my life. Yeah. Um, and is that still one of your favorite hobbies? It's, it is my right now, my primary hobby. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Like if it snowed a foot tomorrow, I'd be happier than a pig and yeah, you know, yeah, pig and I, snow, right? Yeah, pig and snow. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it used to be golf. Yeah, uh, I used to, I used to love playing golf, yep. and not that I don't love playing golf now, I, I do, but um, I, I don't make the time for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, skiing is my uh, is my go to thing right now. I, I think we're very similar. I'm trying to. I played a lot of golf as a kid, and I didn't. I didn't ski, and now I'm trying to play more golf. So I'm trying to split it. That's going to be my summer hobby. My winter hobby, last year was the first year I, I bought skis. And I bought it at the start of the season. I probably went maybe eight times last year okay. to ten times, which was my max I've ever gone. I'm not good by any means, but it was my first time going to Whiteface and really kind of skiing there. And um, I'm getting better. But, you know, I have about a year, so I'm really looking forward to i got to pass this coming year. So I'm looking forward to actually going up and trying to get better at skiing right. because my technique is – not, I mean, I can get down the mountain, but you know, someone that's very accomplished or, or has been doing it for years and years, just they just move differently than I move. Right. Um, so I'm sure you don't worry about like my thing is from going top to bottom. I want to get down without falling or being injured. Where you're going down, you're like, I'm not going to fall. It's just like I'm just going to enjoy the you know the nice part of the of the ski, and you know, right. you're not worried about going fast or going down verticals. So I'm getting over that and getting more comfortable. But it's like to me, it's the technique aspect. Um, but you go to Whiteface a lot. Is that your main mountain? Uh, it is. Yeah, I'll yeah. go to, um, I'll go to Whiteface as often as my job allows me to. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, I mean, I've been in this job for 15 years, especially last year. Um, we get a pow day, yeah. and I'm gone. Yeah. I mean, I'm up at you know, five o'clock. I'm like hitting the first amped. chair. Well, we try to. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm amped the night before. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and off we go. I have a group of guys that I, that I ski with. Um, I still snowboard a little bit. I'll yeah. snowboard more in the uh, beginning of the season when the snow is just kind of really developing. But once we get, um, once we kind of get into the season, I, I just go to my uh, skis and I'm, I'm do, skiing the rest do, of the year. Do you think, um, you never lose the giddiness though to go skiing, right? Like you said, you're getting oh, up the night before and never, you're all excited. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's one of those like I used to get that golfing. I still do if I know I'm getting up and playing golf in the morning with some buddies. But the ski day is the same thing. I'm not again not a great skier, yeah. but 
we try to go up. We were going every other Wednesday morning consistently, me and a couple guys. Yeah. Like we'd cut out, hit the first lift, be back. Usually we were back in the office no later than 1130 or 12. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you get excited. You get excited to go. And then when, of course, my thing is when I get done after like two hours of skiing in the morning, you get, you know, probably five, six good right. runs in. You know, you, you leave and you're just, you're like so excited for the rest of the day. You get a little bit of adrenaline rush oh, early yeah. in the morning. And especially if, you know, I experienced what they call them, bluebird days. When it's oh. just clear as can be. Yeah. And we had one of those at Whiteface. And that was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life just because it was so pretty out there. Yeah. And again, I haven't skied a lot. So for you, that's oh. probably like, you know, a couple times a year you see that. Well, yeah. I mean, because I... I try to get up there as much as I can. Um, you know, we do see it a lot. And when you are standing on the top of uh, chair six yeah, and you're looking, you know, whether you're looking over little white face um, and you see that kind of expansive, just forever view on a blue, on a bluebird day. I mean, or you're on the top of, you know, little white face and you're looking at Lake Placid. It's just, it's and from where, you know, we both grew up here. Right. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, people, people don't appreciate, you know, to some extent of, of, you know, where we live and those days are just, they're, they're wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. So, so are you one of those guys, if you like, you, you like bomb down skyward? Like, I'm just I saying mean, like, what kind of like, you're, that's yeah, like, you're, you're, yeah. you're very confident when you I get mean, on. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say that because I, you know, I have a, uh, I've had a hearing issue for quite a while it, it affects my equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And, and so with that, I'm also, I have a, a you know, kind of a, a, somewhat of a fear of heights, yeah. uh, issue. So there's, there are certain times where I'm like, you know, uh, not so much at Whiteface, but like, let's just say at, at Revelstoke, right. When, when we were there, there's some, uh, there's this one, uh, part of the mountain where, um, in order to get up to the top, uh, backside cliffs, uh, and then, I mean, where we were, weren't cliff cliffs, but, um, you have to climb. And so we had to climb probably, you know, I, I don't know what it was. It was a probably 500 yards, maybe more. And it was pretty steep. The pitch is pretty steep. And, um, and th that just kind of freaked me out. Yeah. Threw you know, it. yeah, it, it, it really freaked me out getting up there on that, that elevation. And, but, um, it's just a matter of like, you know, that adrenaline, getting that adrenaline going, stepping into the skis, and then, like, you can't wait. You know, you can't be sitting there at the top. Oh yeah, and, and you thinking about it. It's just like, yeah, commit, go, and once, once you're, you know, once you're gone, it's, 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 you know, paradise. I mean, it, yeah, it's beautiful. So you just find that. I mean, skiing. This is. I'm, I'm still very new to this, but skiing is something you can do very late into life. Because I've seen some people up there that I'm like, man, they're they're yeah, they're doing well on this mountain. Um, and again, I hope to get to that point, and I will over time. Yeah. I'll, I'll get used to it, but it's it's a fun man. It, it yeah. especially passes the winter by. Yeah. So if if you're, I mean, that's that's a huge thing, right? I mean, here here where we are, um, you know, you gotta you gotta find your um, outlets, mm -hmm. and that's certainly during you know during the winter. That's my outlet. Yeah. And during the summer, when I'm doing it, golf is my outlet. You yep. know, I I do a little bit of mountain biking now, but I'm not that great at it, but. You know, that's kind of something that I've been doing the last couple of years. That's, but that kind of brings in that whole aspect of, you know, the downhill skiing and, and what you get from that too. So you just so. like, you like being outside. You're an I outside being, guy. I love being outside. Yeah. Now, um, the other thing, 
Are you still involved with PFC? I am. Yeah. It, so yeah. I guess kind of explain that for people that sure. don't know what it is. Sure. So uh, Plattsburgh, well, Plattsburgh Football Club, uh, PFC actually started in 2003 as uh, Plattsburgh uh, United, and then um, so how it how it's there's always a story, right? Yeah. So uh, my son Alexander um, was five, I think, and so he's um, uh, trying to figure out something for him to do in the fall, and so I'm like, oh. Well, you know, I'll enroll him in this uh, Plattsburgh youth soccer program that's going on in the in the city out at the uh, Oval. So I wasn't a soccer player. I mean, I you know I didn't okay. I didn't <laughs> I, was, I wasn't I, I wasn't I, born in Shazy and I was uh, thinking in my that you crib. Were, yeah. No, and in, uh, in my crib, you know, I, <laughs> yep. I had a soccer ball and I had a hockey puck. Right. I mean, yep. those are those are your two uh, gifts that you get when you're born in Shazy. Right. So. Um, so yeah, no, I played football. Uh, I mean, I wasn't very good at it. I was a small, you know, I was this, you know, little small thing in, in high school. But um, but I played football, and uh, that obviously is is a big thing in my life too. But um, so I put Alexander in this program, and uh, somebody comes up to me and says, "Well, you know, we need a uh, we need somebody to to coach a, a team," and I'm like, "I've never." I don't know anything about soccer. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just, you know, the kids are five years old. You got to make sure that they're not picking dandelions and they, you know, try to get them not to be scrumming around the ball where they're, you know, everybody's running up and down. I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, so I do that and he's, uh, you know, he's, I can just remember back on that. Uh, it was like Alexander, Shea Brannon, and... Uh, one of the foster kids, I think. And, you know, I just trying to think back of who was on that, that initial team. And, and so, uh, that went on for a year. And then, um, I was good friends with Pat Kelleher. Um, Oh the, yeah. Yeah. I remember the, the, name. the teacher. Yep. All right. Not yep. the, not the football coach at, at Peru PHS. And I know, I know you're talking about, oh, okay. he has a son, right? That played soccer. Ian. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You okay. probably played against yep. Ian, right? Yep. So, um, so we kind of like the next year we're kind of involved in it and um and so alexander's enjoying playing soccer and so we get him into this uh program that uh you know i think where we start at we started at pat started it at the uh the base gym the indoor program and then it moved to eventually moved to the crate center uh put the boards up you know the hockey yep. rink oh, boards yeah. up and yeah. um and so I kind of got involved with that. And then, and then, uh, when Alexander was like, uh, 10, I think, um, he went over and played for Nordic. And so we're driving over, you know, I don't know if you played for Nordic or no, but I know what the team Gina, in Vermont Gina did, or I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not but, sure. If Gina, she I'm probably sure. coached against them eventually. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, yeah. So we, you know, we're going over, uh, practices, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, games on the weekends uh the, the indoor program and i'm like spending a lot of time spending a lot of money but you know i'm also now involved with uh plattsburgh youth soccer and i it's like after three years they're like oh you're going to be president i'm like i don't want to be president they're like oh you're going to be president i'm like whatever voluntold you know yeah yeah exactly so I, I took that over and so now we're developing you know and we're having all these uh developing the leagues in plattsburgh for the youth kids mm -hmm. uh tournaments we're having here kind of it's growing and I'm like 
seeing all these kids that are playing and they're like, you know, we got some relatively talented mm-hmm. uh, yeah. kids in the area. So I, at that time, uh, I put together a U12 boys team. And so we started doing some traveling around, you know, just to, like a little tournament in Albany, a little something in Burlington. And we were doing okay. And I thought, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're not bad. So uh, I got this notice of a tournament up in um, Montreal. And so, you know, <clears throat> we're like, oh, we're going to go to Montreal and we're going to play. And we had um, uh, Alicia, not only the boys that were on the team, but it wasn't co-ed. It was like, this is an all boys, like U12 team um, for the tournament. But we had um, Alicia Stanton and uh, uh, what was the other girl's name? Kelly. Uh, I can't. She was a player? Yeah, yeah, player. So Yeah, I'm not sure. So they were, they were like probably the two of the most talented uh, kids at the time that were around here for the girls. And um, at least that I was aware of. You know, I'm sure Shazy had their, you know, yeah. very talented players, right? So um, anyways, so we go up to Montreal. And uh, the first day we're there, um, this team we're playing is like from Toronto. It's a big tournament. Yeah. You know, but we didn't know anything, right? We're like the bad news bears. You know, I mean, we got we got we got these, you know, kind of nice uniforms so on. Like Burt Bert Reynolds, right? Real yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, this team shows up in like a coach bus. You know, they all get off of the bus. They all have on the the jackets. They have on the matching, you know, pants. They got the backpacks. And I'm like, wow, what did we get ourselves into? And uh, and that tournament was like, you know, uh, what do you call it? You know, like six. Well, it was eye opener, oh, yeah, yeah, because they had, um, you know, like if you get down by six goals. Oh, mercy rule! Mercy rule! You're yeah. done, yep. right? First half, first game, mercy rule. We're done. I'm like wow, you know, yeah, that was crazy, you know. And so the uh, second game uh, that we played, um, team didn't get off the bus, but <clears throat> they were pretty good, and I think we got mercy ruled in like the second half of the game. So the next day, Sunday, we go back up for our third game. And actually, I, I moved some players around. Uh, I moved Kelly and Alicia around. And like, and we ended up winning the third game. You know, so it was a big improvement. And um, but whatever, you know. So we get back to Plattsburgh, and we're kind of like, wow, that was an eye opener, you know. And um, and so the next year, we kind of develop more of a. I think I, at that time I was talking with like Chris Waterbury, mm-hmm. Jeff Spear, uh, their kids were all interested in participating. So we kind of developed like, you know, a boy's side. So we were like a boy's side for two or three years. Um, and then of course those boys had siblings mm-hmm. and the parents wanted something for their girls. And at that time, United soccer. I remember, I remember yeah. like it was like the light blue yeah. team. Yeah. yeah. United yeah. soccer, Keith Rains, um, yeah. was, uh, uh, running that and um like tom renane scott carpenter they were involved their girls were involved yep. in that and it got to a point where about two years later um you know we just took over united soccer they joined pfc uh we changed from plattsburgh united to plattsburgh football club and so it's kind of developed you know from there and we're still going pretty strong and uh you know it's been it's been a good run. Um, and are you coaching at all at, at PHS anymore? No. Um, Did you do that? Because you and I coached 
one year, two years against each other? Probably two years, yeah. Probably two years. Yeah, um, I, yeah so I did, uh, I did Modified. Uh, kind of all flowed with Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, I did Modified when Henry was in seventh and eighth grade. Then uh, when he went to ninth grade, I moved up to JV. Yep. Um, and so I coached JV for two, two or three years. Um, and then I just, it, you know, issues, yeah. right. You know, uh, philosophy, uh, and then there was the pizza incident, you know? So I kind of, uh, said enough's enough and I'm, I'm out. Um, so, cause I, I coached, I think it was about six years on JV yeah. soccer, but so I, I, the other question I want to ask you because. Don't you want to know about the pizza incident? I, I don't know. Can you say it? I don't know what oh, the pizza incident is. Oh, I can say the pizza oh, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, for sure. So, Randy Lozier <laughs> and I are good friends. Yeah, right? great guy. Yep. So, yeah, great guy. I mean, incredible guy, yes. right? And um, so, you know, Randy was coaching JV Beekman Town okay. team. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so this was, uh, so we had a home game. Beekman Town was coming to play us. <laughs> And, you know, I just give Randy, you know, I just give it to him. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know how loud he is, right? You know, oh, he can take it and he can give it. Right. Oh, yeah. So, and we all know his love for pizza and bacon. So, um, I ordered a couple pizzas from Domino's and I said, during the game, pretty much this is going to be halftime. You're going to (laughs) bring and deliver the pizzas to Randy during the game and i didn't tell anybody about it i didn't tell anybody about it <clears throat> so domino's guy comes you know he's walking across the field at plattsburgh at, at, on the grass field walks around the bench my kids are all looking like what's going on and he walks over to randy you know gives randy the pizzas and you know he just looks at me you know and uh it was like hysterical i mean it, it was you know and and then they had pizza to eat, you know, like after the game or whatever. But some parents thought it wasn't kosher, you know. So I kind of got in trouble. <laughs> I, did Randy like it? Oh, I loved it. I was gonna <laughs> loved it. Loved it. You know, I mean, I had a, I had to send a letter of apology to the Beekman Town. You know, district oh, and, and to Randy and, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I actually think that's funny. <laughs> Knowing Randy, that Randy oh. can... I'm, I'm sure Randy started eating it in the second half and uh, he no, no yeah. qualms about it. Yeah. Um, so, so, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So, the, uh, so I guess what I want to ask you is, how do you balance everything you do in a day? Because people are busy. I mean, there's... But, like, I look at you. Obviously, you have a very, uh, you know... You know, you have your professional career. Right. Um, you know, I, I know even though if you're not, you know, Natalie's running the, the beach body stuff, but you're still finding time to work out. You have, I mean, I have my third kid on the way. You have five kids. Right. Um, and then obviously trying to like, you know, still, still be a human and have your hobbies. And then, you know, I kind of look at all the stuff that you do is like, how do you find the time? Are you very good at time management? Do you find that? You know, it comes easy to you. Do you find that you don't sleep? Like, what, what's your uh, what's your secret? So I don't sleep. Okay, that's my secret. There you go. Um, it's yeah, it's real difficult. Um, I mean, we're up at God. We're up at like today. We're up at four forty-five. You know, and part of that is because um, 
Natalie has to get to school mm-hmm. for seven fifteen or whatever. So we're up early. Uh, you know, we work out pretty much every morning, except maybe Sundays. And um, so yeah, it's it's time management. I mean, and it's it's planning and it's kind of working uh, working uh, to, together um, as far as you know. Uh, right now it's not so bad because Henry and Jack are both at college. Uh, Henry's at are those your oldest. They are. Okay. Yeah. So Alexander's in California. He's, you know, living his life out in California, doing his, uh, doing his thing there. Um, enjoying his life. Uh, just got engaged actually oh, last, cool. last yeah. week, I think. Yeah. Last week. And, um, so they'll be probably getting married. Well, not probably they'll be getting married, um, next summer cool. in Chicago. Yeah. That's really cool. And, um, so Henry's at Elmira, Jack's at High Point University down in North Carolina. Okay. And so it's just Peter and Isabel at home. And, you know, Peter's 17, he has his license, he can yeah. drive, yep. you know, so he can get Isabel to school right now, uh, even even and though we're under, you know, COVID. How old's Isabel? So Isabel's uh, 15, uh, a okay. sophomore, and Peter's a junior. So you had, a, what's, the, what's the range from oldest to youngest, 15 to... Mid twenties. Uh, well, Henry's twenty, so I mean Natalie and I kind of like you and Gina kind of are. Oh, so he's your oldest, is Henry? Well, with Natalie, yeah. Okay. So Alexander Alexander's twenty nine. Okay. Um, and so um, uh, he yeah. Was, so you just you get them all yeah. In and so out the, the door four quick. the yeah. four came real quickly, you yeah. know from. Uh, 2000 September well yeah September 11th 2000 and um then Isabel was born in uh 2005 so yeah yeah, yeah. so how, how was that because again I'm asking just purely as yeah I have it coming I mean I have yeah, two you young know. kids now but we're gonna have three crew's gonna turn three years old like two weeks before the due date of this one okay so we're gonna have about three in roughly three years right that's crazy yeah you know, and um, I mean, I'm seeing the craziness in two, so three is just right. going to be buckle up. Well, yeah, because um, this was, I mean, this was right before. Because when you said you said 2000 to 2005, and then you <laughs> ran for DA, so you're kind of a little, you get a little bit of crazy in yourself right. there, having a, right. you know, so, four young kids. Yeah, so in the summer of 2005, when when I was campaigning and, and running, like, um, it's Isabel was born on July 6th. So that back yeah. in 2005, um, parades were like the political campaign parade, you know, getting oh, involved yeah. in those right in the were huge, you know, and it, a lot bigger then than they are now. Mm-hmm. And, and um, that Natalie was obviously she was three days from being, you know, delivering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think we did the, um, I think the city July 4th parade was on maybe the third, maybe it was the fourth, whatever. And then Rouse's point was the next day. Yep. So, um, however that worked out day wise, but Natalie is like, I mean, literally ready to obviously to pop with Isabel. Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, I just can remember coming down, um, Cornelia street back then the parade started at, um, Hawkins hall at the college came down Cornelia street and then made the right-hand turn on Margaret. Yep. All right. And so we're in a like a float pickup truck with whatever else. And um, what did I have then? I had soccer balls, of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, with, you know, elect, you know, Wiley for DA or whatever. 
And when we came down Cornelia Street and made that turn, the crowd was just, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was like July 4th, you know, at night when you see all the people down for the fireworks. I mean, yeah. just crazy. Yeah. You know? And, it, yeah. I remember as a kid, those were big. Yeah. Events. I mean, huge. Mm-hmm. And, and then the Rouse's Point one the next day, we're up there doing the same thing. You know, she's kind of sitting in a lawn chair. Oh, she's uh, with you. Oh, she went. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's okay. sitting in the back of the pickup truck in a, in oh, a, okay. in a chair, you know, like throwing candy, throwing uh, the soccer balls out. <laughs> and uh, uh, that, that parade is, you know, it's, it's a long parade, right? It goes from the Civic Center yeah. uh, through uh, it goes the backside of the back town around. and then back, back up through, through town. And that, that crowd is just really crazy because there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of alcohol being oh, consumed. Oh yeah, it's a full day and, day's work of drinking. Oh yeah. yeah, and all the you know the yelling, the cheering. You know, maybe they're cheering for you, maybe they're not. <laughs> you know, but uh, anyways. So yeah, so we had those four kids like bang, 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 and it was kind of like um, uh, Natalie wanted that girl. So we, I was going to say that she she's she's got to be a tough little girl then, or now I say little, but yeah. now you know young lady uh, just because yeah. of having older brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, I mean, and that's I think that's been good for her. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was hard. I mean, like you know, back then where you have a you have one kid on one arm, you know, you either have another kid in a carrier or you know another arm. You're you're changing diapers all day long. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, we had we had a kid in diapers for. You know, probably six Set, years yeah. or something. You know, I don't know. And I yeah. mean, that's what—that's where you're we're, at. Right we're right now. there. Yeah, but the—I mean—the closeness of them yeah. is great. You know, they're going to grow up together. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's awesome for them. Um, the, I can tell you, and I'm going through it right now. The only thing that's going to be bad about it is uh, they all I mean, leave. Well, they all leave at the same time, but they also all go to college at the same time. Yeah, and college ain't cheap yeah yeah no i i hear you yeah, yeah you know but i mean yeah i mean you and gina will just at a point in time when they're i mean this is precious times you know yeah. with the with the kids and like when you see your your youngest is crew right? no no uh oakland no. so crew's our oldest actually he, okay he's right. about two and a half now yeah, yeah so he's the oldest right yep yep so just seeing like him develop seeing him you know uh, the things that he's learning and, and doing each day, you know, and I mean, eventually you're going to get to that kindergarten, you know, yep. part where it's like, you know, yeah, you, you let him, you let him go and yeah, let him fly a bit. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's just a great time and you're like, but then you, then you get them when they're teenagers and that's, <laughs> that's a whole different world. Yeah. You earn your parenting stripes at that point. Yeah, I think a whole different world. We, uh, so. no, we're, we're, uh, I was actually just thinking yesterday with crew, we you was kind of hanging out and we we're at Gina's parents house and her, her mom made a comment of like, so when would he be playing soccer? And of course that's, he's a two and a half. So really next fall, he probably, right. he, he'd probably be playing some type of mini might. So we'll right. get him in. And you know, I think he's already taken to kicking and, you know, dribbling and stuff like right. that. So I, I think by default, um, I've already, I've already, um, come to terms. I'm probably gonna be the worst athlete in my family, which I'll be fine with because Gina was a way better athlete than I was. But, um, so a couple things I want to get to before we, you know, I want to talk, number one, um, the, I meant to talk about this earlier and I kind of skipped by it, but the whole prison break situation, I mean, now we're five years removed from this, we but are. that was, I mean, for you, that was unprecedented for our area because just of the national media of, um, how hard of a case was that, I guess, in the general scheme of everything. And then how was it? 
layering in the national media right. and then layering in, you know, obviously I, the only, the other thing I want to mention too, is I was kind of disappointed that the whole Ben Stiller movie, there wasn't an Andrew Wiley in there. I was really hoping that there was going to be either you made a cameo or yeah, that they had like, I, I was hoping like, you know, Johnny Depp comes in and plays you or, you know, we get some big, big, uh, a-list star here. Right. But, yeah. I, so I guess how's that whole experience for you? Um, so let's just talk about the actual the process first. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So once again, it, you know, everything kind of intertwines with each other. Right. So, um, I'm over at the Essex tree farm. Uh, it's a Saturday morning. Yeah. Yep. And I'm coaching. Yep. You know, I got, uh, one of my teams that's playing. And so I get a call and, um, it's the uh, captain uh, from the state police, um, Bob LaFountain, and he's like, uh, we got a situation here in Plattsburgh. And I go, you know, what's up? And yeah. he's like, you know, two guys apparently have escaped from Denimora. And I'm like, no, you know, what's going on? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we have two guys missing at Clinton, and one's a, both of them are violent, you know, felons. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, get in the car and come on over. I found a parent to finish the game for me, and uh, off I went. I can remember somebody saying that, uh, you know, they, they saw the, the black Tahoe pulling out of the tree farm with uh, dust, you know, flying. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, that's what, you know, that's what happened. So, um, so you know, right away it was kind of like um, – you know, nothing of that nature had ever happened up here before, right? Yeah. So um, I get home and um, I I pull into my house and there's like, there's TV cameras out in front of my house. Wow. And I'm like, uh, what's going on? You know, and like, well, uh, you know, we're here to talk to you about the prison escape. And I'm like, I just got back from Vermont. Uh, I'm changing my clothes and I'm going up to Denimore. And, uh, you know, I can talk to you later. So, you know, we get up there and uh, we get up to the, the facility. And, you know, at that point in time, uh, the, uh, the state police are involved. The sheriff's department, obviously, corrections is involved. Uh, now federal agencies are coming, getting involved. And, and of course, the, uh, the governor is, is flying in. Um, later that afternoon and so we have the uh, initial meetings and uh, kind of information of what's happening and what's being developed and then of course you know everything starts moving forward and um, and so yeah it was uh, it was kind of surreal with the national media just you know obviously that it, it was an escape mm -hmm. and um, the the kind of development of you know the the search process um took place and you know that was the initial couple of days and then once the investigation started developing as far as who was involved that's when you know the national media really got involved yeah you know when the 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 kind sexiness the tabloid, the tabloid part you know, yeah, yeah yep. the sexiness of the of the case got involved and uh, that's when everything kind of blew up and yeah, I never experienced anything like that. Um, 
you know, at that point in time, it's, uh, I had, you know, uh, ABC, CBS, everybody is out out in front of my, you know, out in front of, uh, my home, uh, out in front of my office, uh, you know, calling, uh, uh, calling the office. Natalie was like, uh, you know, Natalie would be like talking with some of these people. She goes, so, uh, what are, what are we going to, you know, you got some swag for us? You know, you got a coffee cup, you got a t-shirt, you know, if you want an interview with them, then, uh. You, know, you got to yeah. You, you got you to bring some <laughs> swag into this, you know? And uh, she kind of got, because the phone is ringing off the hook yeah. at the house. So, um, so yeah, it was just, it, it got to, uh, to be a, a situation where the actual, as things develop, you know, identifying the individuals involved, obviously the main concern was, was getting uh, Matt and Sweat off the, off the street. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 20, 20 some odd days later, eventually that, that happened. But, um, the actual prosecution of the case in and of itself wasn't, you know, pretty straightforward. It was very straightforward and wasn't, you know, wasn't yeah. a, a big, if the national media wasn't involved, I, you know, not sure that I would have even been handling it. You know, probably one of my ADAs would have been handling it. But. Yeah. Just because of the magnitude of the, yeah. 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 Um, so in regards to, I guess being, being a, a pretty big figure within the, you know, or I guess someone that you would, you know, when we turn on like, uh, you know, you turn on the national news and you see you speaking, it's kind, right. of, it's kind of surreal. But yeah. um, so when the, again, just kind of, I know this is more of kind of the, the fun part of it, but like they came and did the whole, you know, mini series and the movie right. and stuff like that. And, you know, I've seen a photo of you, you know, towering over Ben Stiller because he's not that big of a at guy. The manhole? Yeah, yeah, at the manhole. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but like, I mean, did you have any involvement in the movie process or was it just more of like, Hey, I, you know, I can, cause he wanted to maybe pick your brain on some stuff right. or get some somewhat accurate information. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't really deal with, with, uh, Ben Stiller that much. Um, actually that, that first, um, that picture was one of the first days, actually probably the first day that he was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called, or a staff called and um you know wanted to sit down and have a conversation about my involvement about you know maybe collecting some uh some documents from the from the case uh photographs uh not only probably from the facility but like some of the evidence that was secured and collected like the pictures you know that uh that uh sweat and matt had drawn up that um the correction officer had, you know, but, um, so I was like, yeah, well I go, you want to see the manhole? And it's like, yeah, you can show that to me. I go, well, yeah, it's out, you know, it's in the middle (laughs) of the the street, street. but I can show you where it is. Right. So, so, um, you know, I, at that time during that whole process, Damien Batnelli was, uh, you know, taking a lot of photographs. Right. And he was taking a lot of photographs of of me at different times. So I'm like, you know, yeah, snap you, one. You want to come? And he's like, "Well, yeah, sure, I'd love to come." You know, so so uh, we met him up in uh, um, in Denimora, brought him to the manhole, and uh, you know, and I think Damien was like, "I don't know if I was," or Damien's like, "You know, let's you know, let's grab a picture here." And he's like, "Well, you know, I I really want this to kind of be you know low key, you know, it's uh, you know, it's just kind of initial stages, not sure what's going on." Ben said that, or you? Ben. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay. We're just going to, you know, let's just get a, get a picture. So 
uh, got a picture of Damon got a picture of, as you said, Stiller, his uh, agent or his director and uh, and myself. And so this where the manhole is, it's right outside of the uh, the the gym uh, or that gym that was in in Denimara. In the village, okay. There's a I, yeah. I don't know the exact like crossroads of what yeah. street it's on, but so but there's a fit like a fitness center there. Yeah, yep. And so the uh, as we're out there taking the picture, uh, this car pulls up and pulls up to the to the gym, and uh, so two girls get out, and uh, probably a dad. It looked like you know, and uh, so I kind of look over, and uh, and and the dad I, I recognize, and he's kind of like you know looking like you know all. I think he's a CO, but you know, he's like, Oh, what are you, you know, what are you doing? You know, showing Ben Stiller, bringing Ben Stiller here. And, you know, I'm like, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. You yeah. know? And then all of a sudden his daughter goes, dad, that's Ben. St-, or actually he didn't know who it was. Right. So he's like, dad, that's Ben Stiller. And, and then the other girl's like, yeah, yeah. Hey, Mr. Stiller, can we get a picture? And you know, this is the low key. Right. And, mm-hmm course yeah you know he you know said okay i'll do the picture and then you know five minutes it's boom on social media yeah you know it's all over teenage girls are on yeah something's going up yeah so it was it was uh you know all all done there so yeah so that but that was basically my my involvement and i really had no you know i mean i had done so many interviews you know through the whole process and and you know I mean, my part, I always felt my part was, you know, a, a small, a, kind of a small piece yeah. to it. But I also felt that, you know, there were, I also, because, hey, you know what? I mean, this is my county, mm-hmm. right? These are, these are the people that um, have put me into office. Um, and I kind of have a responsibility to them to let them be aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I was kind of that cognizant, you know, that cog to kind of let people know you know, what was going on, never, never divulged any information that, you know, was sensitive. Yeah. It was sensitive issues, but also, you know, the people needed to know what was going on, you know? And so I I was kind of that voice to do that. And, um, but when it was all done and said, you know, said and done, I was like, you know, I have, I have other things to do. Yeah. You know, my, my interest isn't, you know, appearing on the, you know, on the big screen with, with Ben Stiller. So I never really, you know, everybody was always like, you know, oh, who's going to play you in the movie? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, and I'm like, uh, I don't think anybody is, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, what do you mean? How, how are you not going to be in the movie? And I'm like, well, because, you know. I, I could I could in your, uh, your debut. You know, you could. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, yeah. So it was like, you know, it was just like, that's just part of life, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and... It, I think a month ago, uh, yeah, it was not a month ago, but May, I think, um, you know, five year anniversary, uh, some news agencies are calling me up, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, why do you want to, yeah. why do you want to do another story on this? You know, it's like, it's done. It's over. She's out, you yeah. know? And, uh, they're like, well, you know, we just, it's the five year anniversary. And I'm like, oh, okay. Then, um, you know, if, I don't know how much time do you think it's going to take? And they're like, well, a couple hours. I go, well, uh, then let's talk numbers. You know, I yeah. was like, yeah, you know, if you're going to, if you want me to do this and take my time, then let's talk numbers. Yeah. And like, well, we don't do that. And I go, well, then yeah. I have, I have work that I have to do. Yeah. So thank, thanks for calling, you know? Um, so, so 
Hold, uh, last few questions for you. The, yeah. Since, since being in the office, you've been uh, doing the math correctly. We're about 14, 15 years right now. Um, no, I probably did the math terrible. No, 14 it's years. 15 yeah. years. 15 years. Yeah, I'm in my year? 15th year. Okay, 15th year. Um, so in that time, what is your proudest accomplishment? Like, what do you think if you, you, that's really stuck out to you over those times? I mean, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's a ton, but like, what's your overall theme of, you know, I guess the last, those 15 years and then tie into what is your hope going into the future? Like, you know, how long, much longer do you want to do it? You know, what do you hope to still accomplish? What, you know, why you're in that position right. or do you want to go another position or do you want to ride off into the sunset and just hang out and ski all day? Like, yeah. yeah that, <laughs> which is, that's that, probably the that answer. Is yeah. what I, that is <laughs> definitely what I want to do and I want to do it. Uh, certainly, you know, when I'm able, you know, yeah, able, able to really enjoy it. But, um, but in order to do that, I need to, you know, uh, take care of other, other, other things first. So, um, I think our, some of our, our greatest, greatest accomplishments as far as being on the job or one's the, um, creation of our child advocacy center that we have here in the County. Um, it's also, uh, it's kind of like, uh, it involves Essex County, Franklin County, and then the, uh, the, the Mohawk tribe, uh, tribal, uh, contingency up in Franklin County. And so we, I think we provided a great service, uh, for our kids, uh, in the area that have, that have been uh, subject to, you know, some form of child abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse by, a, uh, generally by a family member. But, um, uh, um, so that center has kind of allowed us to have, um, you know, development of an investigation, all kind of in one medical component, investigation component, trial preparation. Um, so that's been a big, uh, big highlight. Um, then obviously, you know, the handling of the, of the serious violent felonies that the homicides that we've had, um, being able to, um, you know, put those cases together, um, have successful prosecutions, um, you know, I've never really been about the, what the end number is, uh, what the, the sentence is on somebody. I, I try to tend to leave for the most part that to the court, uh, system. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been very, uh, successful with those cases. Um, we've been very successful working with the victims, you know, and the family members, um, kind of a, a, a major disappointment on, uh, like the day that I was sworn in, um, there was a double homicide back in, um, 2005 Christmas, uh, the, the Donovan's, uh, David and Lorraine, oh, yeah. uh, and, um, up at the wood grain. And so, um, uh, the defendant who was arrested, uh, charged and then eventually convicted Ed Dash. Now we had, uh, a three month trial. It was the longest trial that had ever occurred in Clinton County before, the reason it was so long is there's so many dynamics of the of the case. It was then more than just the, the homicide. Um, and then the appellate division um, came back uh, after that verdict and made a made a, a ruling on a on a statement that was uh, uh, used during the trial, um, which probably never needed to have to use it, but it was done and. Um, uh, the appellate division came back and overturned the, the conviction and we had to retry the case a uh, second time. And so having to deal with um, the Donovan family, uh, who you know we kind of really became really close, tight-knit with during that, that first proceeding, 
advising them that, you know, hey, we got to do this all over again uh, was uh, was pretty dramatic um, at the time. Obviously, we uh, tried the case again. It only took about, I think, three weeks the second time. Uh, and uh, obviously ended up with a, with a conviction on it. But, um, you know, those are some of the, the, the big highlights, I think. Um, also, getting really behind the... Um, the narcotic and um, substance abuse uh, programs that we've had here, our drug court programs, um, the uh, SPARC program that we have in the county um, for uh, developing alternative, you know, measures with cases of individuals that are suffer from uh, drug addiction, um, overdose. We've had, uh, you know, a, a terrible impact of heroin, uh, overdoses here in in Plattsburgh um, and we continue to you know fight that battle uh, day in and day out uh, you know when um, I think one of the things that kind of really sparked uh, that issue for me was when uh, Alexander's best friend um, a number of years ago uh, overdosed um, and he came back from California and gave the uh, eulogy uh, at Kyle's funeral, um, was, you know, pretty traumatic for everybody, but, uh, for our family and for the Kirby family. And we, um, you know, from that kind of moment on, I was like, you know, we really got to do something here in this, in this County. We're losing too many young kids and we had been and continue to do so. So, um, you know, we, we fight that battle. Um, and then we get some of these individuals into the court system and, the court system sometimes has a different perspective, you know, of how to handle, how to handle the cases, whether it's, you know, putting them into a drug court program, minimizing sentences. Um, you know, it's a different world. It's a different world here in Clinton County than it is in, let's say, New York City or one of the bigger counties with um, the drug trafficking and, and how we, we kind of handle those here. Um, handle them a lot differently, you know, uh, case that comes into Plattsburgh that maybe there's a couple drug sales you know in New York City is sometimes just disposed of as a misdemeanor and a fine mm -hmm. here in Clinton County because of the impact you know we handle it differently um, felony convictions and depending on the nature of the the background of it you know drug treatment or state prison so it's a it's a different world uh, you know I will often say to a defendant that comes up here and does that go you know you try to use the you know analogy that you're not in Kansas mm -hmm. anymore you know it's it's a different world up here and we look at it differently and we treat it differently we're smaller we can handle those cases differently on that end and we've done a good job with it you know and um, uh, I sometimes get a little frustrated with the court system on how um, uh, they handle some of the cases but you know I'll do my job. Mm -hmm. We get it to that point, and and I think we've done what we're supposed to do. So, but uh, on that end, you know, you have, uh, uh, you know, the last year with uh, bail reform, um, with changes in um, the discovery rules that we have. It's been it's been quite a, a change of of times with uh, being a prosecutor. So it's very frustrating sometimes. I know my staff gets very frustrated with all the work that we have to do now. Mm -hmm. um, 
not that it's it's onerous or not but it's just it sometimes there's we're doing work on some cases that we never had to do but we're required to do it now and it's taking time away from the more serious important cases that we have to work on and so you know going back to you know our prior discussions that may be a situation where we have to you know go to the county and say you know we need more people because in order to comply with what yeah you know the governor's office in albany is is requiring us to do we need more people Mm because if we don't have it then we're going to start you know cases may get dismissed defendants may you know not be held accountable for their crimes that they're committing. Yeah, it's just time. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess hope for the future. Like, what do you what do you hope, you know? I mean, uh, is this something that you plan on doing for for a while? Like, I mean, you still like the job? You still, I mean, it, it, you don't have to if there's like, no, you know, I, no, decisions cool. are still no. weighing, but yeah, no. um, I mean, I don't want you to announce your retirement, you know. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Come back. I, I know there's, there's a number of people that, that would like me to do that. Yeah. You know, um, I, I know that, you know, there's, there are, I'm in this for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, and when I say that, I mean that, you know, obviously I have a, an, an end goal. Um, that's to, uh, yeah, you know, at a point in time, retire, uh, enjoy, you know, when the kids are all mm-hmm. through college and gone and Natalie and I can settle down. Um, and I can spend my winters in Jackson Hole and she can be in Disney. And yeah. then in the summertime, we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll come back here. Um, you know, we'll, I'll, you know, that's, that's my goal, right? She wants, yeah. she wants to move to, Di- uh, Orlando. Uh, she wants to be a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the word for it? Just a staff member at Disney. She wants me to, uh, drive the the tractors around and mow the grass. There you go. You know, as my retirement job, <laughs> and then I can shoot off to Jackson Hole and go skiing. You know, or uh, whenever I whenever I can. But um, uh, yeah, that's the you know, but that's 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 yeah. a long ways away. You yeah. Know? So, but but I mean, there's stuff there's stuff you still obviously, you know, hope to accomplish and and you know reset up. And like you said, you've you've made some great strides in 15 yeah. years, and I'm sure. As with anybody that I think would be a high achiever would want to continue right. to do that, you know. Right. I, you know, yes, I, I, I still enjoy the job. Um, I lo- love doing what I'm doing. Um, I, like I said, I put together a really strong office right now. Um, I'm comfortable with, you know, I'm comfortable with walking out of the office for, uh, you know, two hours and knowing that my staff is, is going to be able to handle the issues that come up. Um, I'm comfortable with going to Whiteface and skiing for the day, knowing that, you know, if something comes up, my office can, can handle it. Um, do I, you know, would I like to see some development in, uh, some more programs here, uh, under my tenure? Yeah. I mean, I would like to see further development of, you know, of the, uh, handling of drug cases of the handling of our um substance abuse um our addiction issues that we have here in the community um you know i really have uh, a couple years ago in 16 there was an opportunity to run for county court judge um, and i made a decision at that point in time that that's not what i want to do you know for for a multitude of reasons 
and um, uh, you know we've certainly have you know continued to move forward from 2016 and and I I mean I foresee myself doing this job uh, certainly running for uh, you know election next year uh, four more four more years after that'll you know bring me to 20 years on the job and uh, at that point in time I think I can look at evaluating um, yeah uh, retiring you know no that that's um, that's great and la- last last question I have for you which is just more I'm just curious where did the Alabama football love come from because right. if you don't post if you don't post something with like skiing I see these like especially right now because we're like you're, you're gearing up Roll Tide is coming. Seven, and I, 17 days, man. I know, and I saw a couple yeah. posts, so I'm like, well, yeah. where you didn't right. go to Alabama, so I did not. kind of like give us a quick take yeah. on like why yeah. Bama. Um, you're, like so, a Bear, you're like a Bear Bryant guy, like going old school. I am a school? Bear Bryant guy. Okay. I'm a huge Bear Bryant guy, and and that really is where where it came from. Mm-hmm. So, my father went to Michigan, uh, ran track at Michigan, uh, got recruited to go to Tennessee from Michigan. So they took him from Michigan and he went to, he went to Tennessee. And so I grew up watching SEC football and big 10 football. Yeah. Um, my father liked to watch Michigan more so than he did, um, SEC football. But I can remember sitting in, um, I can boy, I had to have been like six or seven years old. And, um, you know, I grew up on Beekman street. And so, um, uh, it was, you know, the Kennedys, the Wileys, the Fitzpatricks, and the Kasperzaks. Those were, and we all grew up together. We all spent our summers out, not a lot of summers, but we spent summers out at Indian Bay, okay. you know, by Bluff Point. And um, so we were all really close-knit. And I can remember, uh, you know, six or seven years old, uh, I'm over at the Kasperzaks' house. We're sitting in their living room, and it's uh, it's the Iron Bowl. Oh, yeah. And... Um, and it's just Bear Bryant's there, um, you know. Uh, was there any Auburn fans? Uh, no. Okay, no, I wasn't no, sure if like you no. were just like oh, no. jabbing your buddy no, or something. No, 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 no. Okay. No, and so it, it was like, you know, it was an incredible game. I can't remember what game it was, but, you know, I just know I was six or seven years old. And then from that point on, you know, my dad's influence, we kind of were watching. I'd watch SEC football every, every Saturday, and then, then I'd watch a Big Ten game. You know, I mean, college football is big to me. I love it. Yeah. But, um, so that's where it kind of developed, you know, and, um, and I mean, I, you know, I'm, you like teams that win, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, like, yeah. you know, yeah, successful I mean, teams, yeah. you know, you like, you know, like success and I, and I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a, like, uh, you know, I like to, I like to see success. I mean, you know, but, but I mean, you you were a fan of them way before the oh, Saban yeah. era. So oh, it's not like somebody can accuse yeah. you of this, yeah. like I mean, yeah. last 10 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Way before the Saban era. But you know, like the first game I went to was in, uh, uh, 2000. So you've been to Tuscaloosa. I went to Tuscaloosa back in 2018. I think it was, um, I think it was Jalen's freshman year and it was, it was, Alabama, Tennessee. I mean, I had, there was yeah. a game I was going to go to. That's it perfect. had to be perfect. Alabama, Tennessee. Yeah. And, uh, it was just an incredible, it was just an incredible experience from, you know, uh, Alexander flew in from California. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So we went to the game together. Um, you know, I'd been in this Alabama like Facebook group for a while. And, um, and so, 
you know, I post, you know, I'm coming to the game, you know, and so all these people are like, well, we got to get together. We'll be at the game, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And there was this, you know, one, one lady who, uh, who said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll meet you. Uh, at your hotel, we'll take you through Tuscaloosa, we'll show you, you know, and I'm like, I, I, I just, you know, I just kind of want to, you know, explore, myself. explore it with Alexander, but she was like, you know, pretty, pretty insistent on it. So I'm like, okay, sure, that's cool. And uh, so she shows up in this like 19, you know, 80, like, Cadillac or something, you know, I don't know what it was. Big whitewash tires. Big, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so... <laughs> So she meets us, she, you know, kind of, I mean, like we've talked a lot, you know, social, social media wise, but never obviously had met. And, and so, um, her husband's with her. And, uh, so Alexander and I get in the back of the car and she turns around and she goes, here's a, uh, uh, something to, to drink. And, you know, it was in a Alabama Tervis cup, you know, and uh, I'm like, what is it? She goes, I just take a drink of it, you know? So I take a drink, and um, it was uh, uh, lemonade moonshine. Oh, jeez! Wow! Yeah, I was gonna Wah. say. I was gonna say you're. Uh, you're. Yeah, I mean it was good. Yeah, you know, like I couldn't drink. I was know. gonna say a couple sips, and yeah, yeah, you're yeah. on your way. Yeah, yeah, but um, but I had some kick to it. Yeah, um, but That's funny. Uh, so we spent you know that evening with with her. The next day, went to the you know, got up in the morning, went to the you know, breakfast right outside the stadium, hung out at the stadium the whole day, walked around campus. Uh, it was just quite an experience, you know? We, we, uh, past October, we went down. My buddy was, is a great, went to Florida. So we went down okay. to, um, Gainesville yeah. and watched them play Auburn and okay. Florida won. This was last year and it was, it was our homecoming game. Yeah. And same thing. I had never been to, I've been to a couple, I've, I'm a, I'm a Notre Dame guy. So I've been to Notre Dame a couple times when I was a kid uh, but I've never seen SEC football. And Notre yeah. Dame is phenomenal. It's one of my it favorite is. places on earth to yeah. go. Um, but SEC football is crazy. I mean, it's just it a, it's a religion. I mean, they're, yeah. they're nuts. Yeah. So when I was out at, um, when I was out at Marquette, uh, went to a game in Madison. And uh, I don't remember what game it was. The Badgers? Um, the Badgers, okay. yeah. Um, but I only went to one. And then um, uh, freshman year, when I was at Marquette, um, my father and uh, Jack Pearl, best friends, Jack Pearl, all the Pearl kids have gone to Notre Dame. And so uh, whatever weekend it was, Michigan's playing Notre Dame mm -hmm. at Notre Dame. And um, I'm supposed to go from Marquette, from Milwaukee to, to South, South Bend. Bend for the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm supposed to go Friday, you know, and uh, I don't know. You know, it's my freshman year at school. We uh, days of the week kind of merged together yeah they did you know <laughs> and um and so i ended up not going on friday and um you know i'm getting these calls like where are you you know and i'm like ah yeah, I, i'm not sure it's gonna happen you know and um uh saturday morning i was just too hungover to go so um it was the game the uh the infamous game where uh Notre Dame's down uh, by whatever, you know, a point, two points, and it's the end of the game, and they're going, obviously, towards touchdown Jesus, yep. and uh, they kick the winning field goal, you know, in the to beat Michigan. And so it was a huge game, and, of course, 
I missed it. I yeah. watched it on television, but yeah, you know, I, I missed that. But when I was at Creighton, I saw so many huge Nebraska games. Okay. Uh, we were at, we probably went to three to four home games the three years I was there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Saw just, you know, huge games. But um, yeah, that SEC game was just crazy. That's, that's cool. Just I, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so you're definitely college over NFL. Um, yeah, I definitely. Because yeah. with the NFL, I mean, I'm like, you know, I have some teams. I grew up like in the Raiders, uh, Kenny yeah. Stabler, yeah. you know, yeah. from Alabama going there. Yeah. Uh, a couple of players, you know. Um, I like watching the teams that have the Bama kids on it. Yeah. Um, but, but your heart's still with college football? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I can't wait for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. And actually, I think Clemson plays this weekend. Okay. So that'll be... Uh, That'll be a good game, but and you know, I'm assuming there's nobody in the, the stands, right? They're doing yeah. Like I don't think I don't think you know they might. Well, I've been watching a couple uh, games, um, like 25% like capacity or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. I it's probably family and and whatever, but I, they certainly don't mm. have the student body going. Yeah, I don't think or the public, um, general public. Yeah, I don't think so. So I'm not sure what that is, but cool. Well, yeah. um, Andy, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, I, I think. I had a lot to ask you just because I figure I, you know, I see bits and pieces of, of, of your life. So it's kind of cool just to tie it all together yeah. and merge it. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I thank you for all that you do, um, and continue to do. I think you're, uh, someone that really, you know, obviously growing up here and still living here and choosing to raise a family here, you're still, um, you know, putting a lot of, a lot of, uh, heart and soul back into right. the community. Um, so, which is nice to see. And, uh, we're not too far out. I don't want to like jinx the people, but snow is on the way. It so is. I can see, like, I can, I can feel the buildup of you. You're getting, uh, you can have a little bounce in your step in a couple months. Yeah. So, oh yeah, for sure. Hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. So, so Andy, thank you so much. Yep, thank um, you. again, that is episode 86 of the Galen Trombley show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley on Instagram at Galen Trombley and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling G A E. L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.